0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the All People's Online Experience. We're so grateful you've joined us today, and thanks for having me in your home. You know, as we're a month into this COVID-19 shelter-in-place experience, I I thought it was time for a little levity. And so here's some of the memes that people have sent me this week that actually made me laugh out loud, and hopefully they'll be funny to you. Uh, Here's the first one. I used to spin the toilet paper like it was Wheel of Fortune. Now I turn it like I'm cracking a safe. Uh, Numerous ones on food. Um, I I need to practice social distancing from my refrigerator. Or when this whole quarantine thing is over, will the producers of my 600-pound life find me or do I need to go find them? Here's my absolute favorite as a Christian. You guys know that incredibly anointed song, "The Blessing," that Carrie Job has been singing. The Lord bless you and keep you. So I saw this hilarious one that said, "So how is the government going to pay for this multi-trillion-dollar stimulus package?" And then it flips to, "And your children, and their children, and their children, and their children." Oh, laughter's good medicine. Well. Today, jumping into the message, we're starting a new series entitled Thrive at Home. And I read in an article this week something that was really sad for me, and it was a statistic that 35% of people are saying that it's actually affected their mental health negatively to have to spend more time at home. And I thought, oh, that's such a travesty that the place that's supposed to be one of comfort, one of solace, our, our firm foundation place of warmth and love, is actually harming people. So I want to dive in today on how we can change that. And I was thinking about a time where the people of Israel found themselves in captivity. They found themselves relegated to a place that they wouldn't have chosen to be. They had been taken into captivity in the nation of Babylon, and so God sends the prophet Jeremiah to speak to them. And we we start this in Jeremiah 29. It says this, this is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests and the prophets and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after Jehoiakim and the queen mother and the court officials and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem and skilled workers and the artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. Here's the first thing I noticed, is that this time, this captivity they were experiencing was affecting all of them, from the rich to the skilled laborer, from the young to the old, from the ruler to the peasant, and it's much like our time where everyone is being affected. So then God speaks something to the people. He gives a word to them. We find it in verse 4, this is what the Lord Almighty The God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So what's that word going to be? First word, build. What? He was saying, this is not a time to just try to to hunker down and and try to store up and and weather the storm and survive. He was saying, no, it's actually a time to build. And what does he say to build? He says, build houses. Or I love what the New Living Translation says. It says, build houses homes. I believe that this is a time for us as the people of God to invest in our home life. Because here's, here's what I think we'd say in the 2000s. The home in America, not, the home worldwide is not thriving. Like we haven't prioritized home. We've we prioritized career. We've prioritized our extracurricular activities. We've prioritized our hobbies. We've prioritized travel, experience, entertainment. We've prioritized social media, but we have not prioritized home. I don't even need to go into all the sad statistics to substantiate that reality. But here's why it's so important. Do you know that God's first institution he created to host his presence was the home? It's also the primary place that discipleship was supposed to take place. And so whether we like it or not, who would have thought it, that the whole world has been sent back into their homes. It's like God pressed a holy reset button and acknowledged home life is not going like I want it to. And so I'm going to send my people back into their homes to disciple them in the biblical way of doing, here it is, relationships. I'm going to be talking through how to thrive at home and different components of our life at home because it's very multifaceted. But the first one I want to talk about is how to thrive at home relationally. How to thrive at home relationally. Now, now this is, I I love this next word. He says, build houses or build homes and settle down. I, I think that's a word from the lord for many of us today uh growing up if, if we got too hyper too out of control in my house my parents would use that phrase settle down I, I i do that as a parent of four when my kids are off the wall or or being obnoxious or anxious or rambunctious i'm like settle down i i have a feeling that our loving heavenly father from heaven right now is, is saying hey everybody settle down and then look at the next phrase. It, it, it says this. This is, this is fascinating. For people that are going through a great trial, for people that are in a crazy crisis, he says, plant gardens. What? Plant gardens? You know, th- this was actually one of the first things That that Steph and I and our kids did when we understood that we were going to be in the shelter in place. And and why? It's not because I was thinking about Jeremiah 29 and trying to to prepare for this sermon that would come to be. I I had no idea I was going to preach on this. It was just the fact that I realized I had time. Um, Planting a garden takes time. I had to go and rebuild the, the garden boxes, and I had to till the soil, and we had to pull out a lot of weeds that had overgrown in the garden, and we went and got the seed and dug it up and, and watered it. You know, gardens take a methodical process. They take consistency, and they take time. And that's one thing we all have right now, is we have the, the time to build and to plant in our relationships Then the scripture says this, eat what they produce. You see, you're going to enjoy the fruit of what you sow. Then marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Here's my synopsis. Here's my summary of this statement. Families, it's not a time to retreat. It's a time to grow. It's a time to advance. I I truly believe that God wants our families to come out of this COVID-19 pandemic stronger than we've ever been before. But you know, that's not just going to happen. Whenever you build something, it it actually takes tools. And and so that's what I want to talk about today is, is what are the tools? Because here, here's the next thing it says in verse 10 and 11. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Now, you've all heard this scripture. You might be unfamiliar with the text I've been reading, but I guarantee you, if you've been in church, you've heard this next verse. It's so famous. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. It was in the time of crisis that God gave this beautiful word. God, God has given us tools in the scripture in order to build healthy relationships. And that's what I want to talk about today. You know, In our homes, we have these different items that we, we just use. And, and sometimes we don't realize just how important they are. So I'm going to go through some items today because they symbolize some of these tools that I believe that God is prescribing for us, for us to thrive in our relationships. Well, here's the first one. Uh, yeah, it's, it's salt. Uh, nothing really special. Uh, this is kind of an interesting little salt canister that, that Steph has. and um, Who has this? The, I, 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 no one has this, but my, my wife loves, she just loves these cute little... These cute little things so the tiniest spoon. Uh, and here's why I think about salt. Scripture says this, let your conversations be full of grace and seasoned with salt so that you might know how to answer everyone. The salt I'm talking about today is the salt of grace. If, if there's one tool that I think we should be practicing in our families, if there's one desperate need of every person during this pandemic, it's we need grace. I love that the whole way we enter into the kingdom, the, the way that God relates to us is through grace. You know, if, if I would have used a, a, a different illustration, I would have probably used this. This is a, a, a shoe. And it's, we're so quick in our homes to, to judge. But I, I love that old adage, don't judge unless you've walked a mile In someone else's shoe. Um, This is Hallie's shoe. She's a teenager. This is Joshua's shoe. Uh, He's my third-born. This is his little uh, Kyrie Irving uh, basketball shoe. And I was reading this article on CNN this week about how hard a time teenagers are having. Because in their life, what's so important to them is their social interactions with friends. And so they're not able to go to school and they're not able to go to these different events and interact with their friends. And, and actually many of them feel robbed because these great memories they were hoping to make like prom or, 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 or like the, the sporting event they, they, or, or graduation. They, they feel like they're being stripped from them. And so I've been thinking, okay, in relating to my teenagers, which I have so much more time with, I need to give them grace. I, I, I need to, to sow salt. In there, uh, here's here's Steph's shoe. Uh, it's adorable, her little lucky boot, and and um, but man, my wife, you know, when when we're all confined in these these s- small settings, it, it's so much easier to nitpick. And I've got to remember, my wife is is going through having to think through 21 meals a week here. From home, and and some of you are going like, well, Robert, why aren't you helping out? Well, it's because I want my family to survive this and not poison them. She's having to go to the store more. She's she's having to all of a sudden be a homeschool mom. I, 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 one of the greatest ways to show grace is to to seek to understand. You know, this this salt illustration came. Uh, first of all, it's it's been around forever. This is how much we need it from 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 plenty. In 77 AD where he talked about the way you can survive a poisoning is if you you actually take some salt and and, and then uh, Later on in the 1700s this take everything with a grain of salt like you can actually take hard things if you take a grain of salt And so just daily we need to think about everything our our family members say and, and what we experience We need to take it with a grain of salt. We need to extend them grace in this challenging time well, the, the next thing I think of is the, the tool of forgiveness. I've picked a clock to, to symbolize this. And you might say, well, why, why a clock? Uh, I love it because a clock resets every day. Like you always come back to 12. And I'm reminded of, of the scripture, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. That's in Ephesians Many of us think that if I was really walking with Jesus, that I wouldn't get angry. Like they, The thought is, if I became more godly, I just wouldn't have anger. Can I tell you, that's not, that's not true. We actually see God getting angry in Scripture. We see Jesus being angry. The goal isn't to not be angry. The goal is to not sin and our anger. And, and the goal is, when we do get angry and others get angry at us, to let it go. And to forgive. I grew up in my family of origin. There were five of us. My father, my mother, and my twin sisters. And all of us are intense. And all of us think we're right. And so there were quarrels. And there was anger. But I loved that my mom had just totally bought into this adage of, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Like that verse was said so many times in our house. So there were many times where we stayed up late into the night Talking things through and there were there were tears but there was always this heart's desire to resolve and to come to a place of forgiveness like we never went to bed without saying I forgive you and I forgive you and, and maybe that's the reason why at 44 and my parents are 70 and my sisters are in their late 30s why we're so so close still I and mean, when you talk all the time it's not because we didn't have challenges it's not because we didn't have quarrels but there was this commitment that I'm not going to carry a grudge against someone. What if we took this opportunity during this shelter-in-place to become good forgivers? I want to tell you parents that you set the temperature of forgiveness in your home. like Be great at asking for forgiveness and be quick to give forgiveness. I don't think anyone, especially here in California where where utilities are so expensive, I don't think anyone just lets their kids control the thermostat whenever they want. Like That is something that we as parents do. Can I just say, we need to be the ones who set the thermostat of forgiveness in our home. I I am uh, determined to be really good at repenting to my children. Well then, the next one, is this. The next tool I want to pull out. This is something that I have used more than I ever would have thought. Do you know what this is? It's it's an air pump. And as a dad, I have bought so many of these because I always need them, Uh, especially because my kids are always playing sports. And here's the interesting thing. Balls, they always seem to deflate. And if they deflate, then my kids just stop playing with them. Bike tires, they always seem to deflate. I need these to, to pump up balloons so I don't just absolutely uh, drain myself or to pump up an air mattress. I'm, I'm always needing these. You know that, the fascinating thing is it's the same with people. It's, it's like we leak. It's like we deflate and we desperately need someone to come and, and air us up or to, to blow wind back in our sails. Here's what the scripture says. It says this, but encourage each other As long as the day is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Do you know that when we don't receive encouragement, we get harder and harder and harder? But we desperately need that gift. This week was my birthday. I, 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 I was so blessed to get to spend it with my family around the table and my wife to say, children, let's encourage dad. And what I realized is as one child said, Dad, you are so loving, it just made me want to love more. And another kid said, Dad, you're so fun, Uh, so thankful for all the fun things you take us to do. It just made me want to take my kids to have more fun experiences. Can I just tell you that encouragement builds us up and calls us into the people we're called to be. You know, we're not supposed to just speak words of affirmation. The other thing we need to do is we need to encourage people in their destiny. My my 14-year-old son said something interesting to me. He said, Dad, I'm so thankful for the way you push me in life to be better at things. I thought, wow, that that is so interesting. But isn't that the case? We need people to encourage us into our destiny. I, I want to... I want to challenge you during this time to study the different members of your household and to ask God how he sees them and what he's calling them to and to help them and encourage them into their calling. What if we came out more encouraged after this time at home than ever before? Oh, wouldn't that be amazing? Well, I think of this this last tool. And I went and grabbed Stephanie's heart pillow. Uh, I just love this. It just makes me want to snuggle up and, and rest. You know, the Bible says that the greatest of these is love. Can I tell you that the greatest tool that you can have for building your relationships is the tool of love. Why? Scripture actually says... That God is love. Like that's the primary revelation of him. And and one of the things that has really baffled me the most, it was one of the biggest shockers in ministering to young people, is how many young people, high school students, college students I talked to, that told me they grew up in a Christian family, but they never felt loved. Oh, that just broke my heart. Because that is our greatest calling in in our households in our homes is to, to let people know that their love, you know that that's the first thing that we see God speak over Jesus? I mean, if anyone you'd think would already know that it would be Jesus. And yet God speaks over him. This is my beloved son. And then, then Jesus in talking to his disciples, he said, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you now remain in my love. Yeah, I think about the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, and the first thing that we see that God gives to man is it says he blessed him. Before he he has him do anything, God's saying like, here, here is love. And and then the, the first day that man's on earth, what does he have him do? He has him take a Sabbath rest. It's like God wants everything we do to come out of Rest in his love. I I, I love watching children who know their love. They're the most confident, the most peaceful, and the most joyful. And what if we made that the focus of this time? This time where our hands are tied and and there's so many things we can't do. I tell you one thing that no one can take away from you is the ability to love other people. I, I don't know anyone that doesn't want a happy home. Uh, Here's an adage I don't agree with. Happiness happens. I I totally disagree. I I don't think happiness just happens. I I think happiness comes when someone has intentionally built, intentionally picked up these biblical tools and appropriated them in their family life. And and so that makes me think of of this this last verse that I want to look at to to conclude our time. Jeremiah 29, 11, one of the most famous verses in scripture, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. In this troubled time, in this challenging time, I know there's been great loss. I know there's many fears. I know that there's been suffering. But we have to remember that God is good and his word over you is that he has good plans for you, to prosper you, to give you hope, to give you a future. We've been talking about building. I had a chance to build a house years ago. And here's the the interesting thing about going to build. You don't just grab a tool and and just start going at it. You don't just throw down the cement and, and, and throw some wood around. No, what's the first thing you do? The first thing we had to do to build a house was we had to find the plans. You know, that's what God is saying. I I know the plans I have for you. And what does a builder do? A builder has to pay careful attention to follow the plans. I find that some people, you know, they say, well, if God is so good, then why is my, my life like this? Or why aren't the things that he promises happening? Do you know why? It's because we have to follow his plans. And follow his plans are using these, these tools, this grace and, and, and encouragement and, and forgiveness and, and love. And, and if you're anything like me, though, you, you hear a message like this and you just go, oh, man, I, I wanted, I long to do that. But I, I feel like I just fail time and time again. I lose my temper again or I'm, I'm selfish or I'm self-focused. And I tell you, welcome to humanity. You'll never be able to to use these tools perfectly. And that's why you need Jesus. You know, when Jesus died and he rose from the dead, he had actually said, it's better for you that I leave because if I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the, the one who actually is the empowerer. It's impossible to to always extend grace. It's impossible to forgive because we've truly been hurt. It's impossible to live a life always of encouragement. And and so many times people are hard to love, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, all things are possible through the one who lives inside of you. And here's the other thing. Every day I mess up. But here's the great fact about being a Christian is that scripture says, his mercies are new every morning. Can I tell you, you messed up today, so did I, but you got tomorrow. You've got tomorrow to wake up and say, it's a new day in Jesus. He's forgiven me so I can go out full of the Holy Spirit and I can live out these tools that he's called me to to have the relationships that he's created me to have. I wanna conclude our time by praying for you today. I want you to just open up your hands open up your hearts to receive God's grace to thrive at home relationally father we thank you that you gave us Jesus you showed us ultimate grace you showed us ultimate forgiveness you showed us the greatest encourager and you showed us love through your son and now we ask through the power of the Holy Spirit that we would all be able to live out these tools these great gifts that we would be able to give them to our loved ones. And we believe, God, in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of a challenge, that you can take us and build us and nurture us into the families that you dream of and that this hurting and broken world so desperately needs. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for connecting with us today and don't forget to check out allpeoples.tv for past messages and resources to help you in your journey with God. God bless you and we'll see you next time.